uh, this is the first Sunday in Advent, um, and I, I love this season. Uh, I like Christmas, and, and I know when I say that, a lot of people are all over the place with Christmas, and I get that. I'm not going to try and force you into liking Christmas if you don't. Some people like Christmas, some people don't. Um, for, for some, and some people overlike it. You know, some people started celebrating Christmas back in June. And, and uh, so, uh, and I get all of that, but I like it. Uh, and I think, you know, mostly I like it. I have some good memories of Christmas, but uh, I like the fact that it's all about Jesus. And I like to talk about Jesus. So it's another reason to talk about him. Not that I really need a whole lot of reason, but um, I like it. I like the celebration. I like what it reminds me of. I like what happens to folks. I'm in. I like the lights. I like the whole deal. And Advent is the celebration of the story, and there are sort of historically four themes that happen on the weekends running up to Christmas, and those themes are hope, joy, peace, and love. And so what we're going to do over the next few weekends together is we're going to talk about and look at those things and sort of tie them into the big story of Christmas. So today we're going to talk about hope and what hope means, and certainly hope is a wonderful thing for us to have, particularly when life is kind of upside down. So that's where we're heading, a bad joke or two. I read recently that the Italian government is considering installing a clock in the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The reason? Well, what good is it for you to have the inclination if you don't have the time? I had a little part-time job at uh, the helium factory, but I quit the other day because I just didn't like being spoken to in that tone of voice. <laughs> That's all I got. Scripture reading here on purpose. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So hold that passage in mind. We're going to get back to the wise men here in just a moment. But I, I want to talk about hope. Hope is a trustful expectation, particularly when it comes to the fulfilling of God's promises. 
Well, most of us sort of have an idea of hope, and, and it's more of a worldly hope, and, and our worldly hope is based on a feeling that something that we want will happen. And so we often say things like, well, I hope my team wins. We don't have any, you know, anything to base that on. It's just something that we would like to see happen. And so we have a worldly hope in some things. But biblical hope is quite different because biblical hope is more than a feeling. Biblical hope is the confidence that what God has done for us in the past guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. And so our hope is built on the promises of God and on the faithfulness of God in keeping His promises. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 10.23 wrote this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful. So we hold on to this biblical hope. We, we hold on unswervingly to the hope we have because the one who promised is faithful and has demonstrated his faithfulness time after time after time after time. And when our hope is in him, the result is that we can persevere in this life regardless of the situations that we experience and regardless of how difficult they might be at the time. You see, in him, there's always a bigger picture. There's always more to life when our hope is in Him. We talk here often about having a throne room perspective. And because we have access to the very throne room of God in Christ, um, we're to see things differently. We're to ask God to help us see things the way that He does. And we're to be aware that, that we're a part of a much bigger story. That the story doesn't revolve around us. And that's unfortunately what we end up doing often, is that we put ourselves in the center of our story and we think everything revolves around us. But we are not the center of the story. We're a part of his story. He's the center and, and we're revolving around him. Uh, I always, you know, I tell you this, that he's the noun of the story and we're adjectives. We're, we're to live in a way that describes the noun, which is him. And when we find that role in our life, that's when we experience life because that's what we were created to be. And that's how we were created to be. And that's the live and that's the best kind of life we can have. So, so we're called to be a part of a much bigger story. Now the Magi, the wise men, uh, and, and there, people know them as different ways in the story. Magi, wise men, or the kings uh, of the Orient who came. And uh, the jokes weren't that bad, by the way. I like babies crying. I mean, I don't like things bad happening to them, but I like the sound. So it's all good with me. Um, did I ever tell you? So years ago, when... Uh, I was, I was coming down, a, and you know, the little nursery rooms and stuff here were all over there. They've been all over the building at different times as the church grew. We were moving rooms, and I was walking down a, one of the stairwells and right into uh, where one of the kids' rooms were, and it, it smelled very bad, really bad. And, and I was like, oh, and, and I, I really felt at that moment, I had one of those epiphanies from the Lord, and, and it was like, that's the smell of life. Rejoice in that. And ever since then, it's triggered me. So all these kids and stuff that are running around, it's, that's life. You know what I mean? In a church, that's life. When you see all those kids coming up, and I love watching the kids up here doing the verse, and they're so hilarious. You know what I mean? And their parents are often standing by going, because <gasps> the kids are being kids. And I'm like, yes, let them be kids. <laughs> to a point. So... <laughs> uh, a little, I lost my train of thought just a little bit. It's okay. So... 
So the Magi, the wise men, the kings of the Orient, see, these were, these were you know, this was an impressive group. And, and here's what happens. They, they spent their lives um, trying to figure out the details of a much larger story and how they fit into it. That's what they did. So they studied, you know, they, they studied the stars and they studied the writings of the time and they studied the scriptures. And they, they wanted to find how they fit into the story. We see that in our scripture reading. And and what they discovered is that God would send a Messiah, a light, to reveal to all people the meaning of their lives. And, and in the course of their lifetime, at just the right moment, their hopes were realized. The, the king that they read about in scriptures would come in their lifetime. And so they respond. You know, think about it. They pack up their things and they, they give up everything to follow this star that's lighting up the night sky. And when they finally see Jesus, they bow down in worship. And they just willingly give him everything. It says that they give him their treasures because the realization is in having found Jesus that, that they'd figured out the rest of the story and their lives had purpose and meaning and that wasn't in riches and all the other stuff that they had. It was in knowing and worshiping Jesus, the king who had come to rescue and deliver people from life, that they might have life with God forever. And see, like the Magi, we're all on this quest to find meaning for our lives. And, and God knows that. And the Christmas story is, is the, the reality that he's pursuing us back into relationship with him. So, so the, the problem that we have and, and this emptiness comes from the fact that we've all gone our own way. We've done our own thing. But God has pursued us, and, and we see it in Christ as God came, fully, fully God, fully man. Jesus entered the scene, lived a perfect, sinless life, took it to the cross and exchanged it for our messed up lives and defeated death and rose again so that in him we can be reconciled to God and have life once again. See, that's the, the start of what's taking place here in the Christmas story. And God meets us on our journey because he knows that, that we're looking for him, that, that he's the answer that we're looking for. He's the place where our lives find meaning. And, and he's got this wonderful plan and life for all of us to experience now and forever. And so quickly, I want to talk about three things as we talk about that. The first one is this, that you have a wonderful promise. You have a wonderful promise. So the basis for our hope, this biblical hope, is found in the way that God has kept his promises to us in the past. And we can see that he's faithful to his promises. And as we talk about the Christmas story, um, we, it actually had a beginning that happened further back in history. And the beginning of this story takes place um, near the creation account that we have in Scripture. And in Genesis 3, there's an event that takes place where Adam and Eve, our original ancestors, um, they ate of the forbidden fruit. And as they did, sin entered the world, and the, the stain of sin touched everything on the earth, and the enemy, um, he, he took advantage of that and became the little g-god of this world. And we were separated from the love of our perfect heavenly father. We, we were separated because of our sin, of the relationship that we can have in him. 
And, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing event when you think about what happened. There, everything was perfect. God had created a, a perfect world. Everything was good. Adam and Eve were in a perfect relationship with one another and with Him. There were no stresses. There were no problems. There were no issues. It was all good. And God had come in and, and He had created everything that was good. And He'd said to them, it's all yes, 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 yes. No. One no. Think about it. There was one no. And people want to go, well, God was a big meaning. He wasn't. It was all yes. There's one no. We've talked about that, free will and all the things we have. One no. And what happens is the enemy uses that one no to deceive Adam and Eve. They fall for it and they bite the forbidden fruit. Sin enters the world. Everything is messed up. The world's broken. The planet's messed up. All those things happen and we're still experiencing that now. But here's the, the amazing thing is what God does in response to that. See, we willingly chose to go away from Him. He could have just said, fine, go your own way, but He doesn't. From that moment forward, an amazing thing starts happening is that a plan for redemption is put in place in Genesis 3.15. And that verse, and it's a simple verse, but it's an amazing verse filled with all sorts of amazing promises. It says this, I will put enmity, enmity this is the Lord speaking to the enemy, between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. You think, well, that's a pretty simple verse. But that verse is known as the beginning of a promise we have. It's the start of the crimson thread of redemption. And as you read through the Old Testament, you can see this amazing thread of redemption just finding its way all the way through the Old Testament, through, through situation after situation, uh, story after story, uh, and ultimately culminates at the cross where our, our redemption was made possible. And, and so this is an amazing part of the story. But the promises involved in that coming to be are amazing, and there's so many of them. Um, for example, you, you, that you think, well, what's in that verse? Well, here's the deal. This plan, this redemptive plan that God had was centered in a specific person. That person would be a man. He would enter the human race being born of a woman. He would do battle with the enemy. The enemy would strike a blow against him, but can't defeat him. And ultimately, he will crush the enemy and his power. It's this amazing picture of, of Jesus himself. The, the deliverer would be the seed of a woman, not, not an angel, but someone who would be born the way that we all were in a human birth. So, and, and so he comes. Jesus comes, fully man, fully God. That's the beginning of the fulfillment of the promises. We also know that uh, throughout the Scripture we hear other promises, we, that he would be a Jewish. He would come from the people of Israel. He would come better than that from the tribe of uh, Judah. Uh, more than that, a descendant of David. More than that, born in Bethlehem. More than that, born of a virgin. And there are many other promises in Scripture that only one person has and will ever fulfill, and that's Jesus Christ, who perfectly fulfills all of those prophetic promises when He comes to us. And so our hope for life is based in the fact that God keeps His promises and we can trust Him to do that. And so we have this amazing promise that's ours to place our hope in as we put our hope in Him. Secondly, out of that comes this amazing thing that you can have a wonderful life. I borrowed that from a movie title. Christmas, I love Christmas movies too. I like the whole deal. I was teasing earlier, but our, our traditional first Christmas movie every year is Elf. And uh, if you haven't ever watched Elf, you need to. Solid spiritual movie. It's not, but I like that movie. I like, and I, you know, I'm, I'm digressing, but we watch White Christmas and Holiday Inn, and we've got to watch Home Alone is on the books next, and uh, 
Home Alone 2, and then the Griswold thing, and uh, we'll get there. Uh, and, and Wonderful Life. So um, now I'm back on track. So because of these amazing promises that we have and, and the fact that God's faithful to him has fulfilled them in Christ, we can now have a wonderful life, a full and abundant now and forever life. In the now, we, we still are going to experience fallout from the effects of sin entering the world. It's a fallen world, broken planet, um, and, and it's obvious, you know, we're still dealing with those things that are going on around us. But even in the midst of that, He's with us now. The psalmist says in Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. I think it's great comfort that God's help comes in trouble, in times of trouble, because I don't know about you, but it, it doesn't, it's, it's pretty much the state of existence, right? Uh, in trouble of some sort. And in the midst of that trouble, He's with us. He sends His help and proves to be our refuge and our strength in the midst of it. So He's with us now, and we have purpose now because we're a people of mission. Ephesians 2.10 says we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so this life that we can have right now in the present based on His promises is an amazing life. It's an adventure. And, and even in the midst of difficulties, we still have life and we still have uh, His presence and we have things that He's called us to do to make life significant. Third, you have a wonderful future ahead of you. You have a wonderful future ahead of you. 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4, the Apostle Peter said this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. What an amazing, wonderful promise that we can count on knowing that we have eternity with Him and, and understanding that He's trustworthy because He's kept His promises to us throughout this uh, life that we have. And, and so His promises help us to remain uh, hopeful in all situations. One of the things I want to encourage you again today, um, because in the midst of the busyness of the things that we're going through, is that, that the, the book, the Bible, can sort of find its way onto a back shelf somewhere. And I want to encourage you to, again, make sure you're taking time every day to read the book because of the promises it contains, because it will stir your heart. And that, that every time you read it, you know, the Holy Spirit illuminates the, the Bible and it becomes more and more alive to us and it gets better as we read it. It just, it, it, it has impact in ways as we continue to grow. Don't let this sort of get dusty and put away because you're so busy dealing with everything else around you. And now we've just added a whole other season that requires a whole other amount of work, but but make this a priority. Make sure you're taking time to pray. Make sure you're taking some time to read the Word and hang out with Him because it's important. Because the more you sort of fill your heart and your mind with the thoughts of the life to come and the promises of God, the less the sorrows and disappointments of this life will be able to disturb your peace of mind. And so don't lose sight of this in the midst of what's going on. Make sure you stay connected with the Word. Paul said this in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I like that, that, that we're to be a people that overflow with hope because we're so settled in His promises that we know that He's got us now and that He's got us forever. Hope means, you know, better days are coming. Things won't always be 
the way they are now. And, and that's good news. Uh, you know, they're going to get much better when we're with him and he comes to be us. But even as we proceed on, it gets better. Hope invaded the world 2,000 years ago at Bethlehem. And, and if we want that hope to invade our lives, we have to do what the Magi did so long ago, that, that we come and we bow before the King, Jesus. This hope that we're talking about is available to all those who humble themselves and bow in faith before the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I, I just want to connect and make sure this season that you've done that. That everybody here has gotten to that spot in their lives where they've come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That the reality is that our, our sin, our choosing to go our own way, has separated us from that relationship with God. But that God has pursued us and has made a way for us to be reconciled to Him in Christ. And, and the way that we do that, it's, it's, it's humility and it's faith. It's just bowing before the Lord. It's admitting to God we're broken, that we've gone our own way, that we've sinned, and asking Him to forgive us, which He'll do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into our hearts and lives as Lord and Savior, confessing with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. And if you haven't done it, I, I want to give you an opportunity to do it today. So in just a moment, we're going to move into prayer. And during that time... I will extend that invitation to you. I'll, I'll have you just slip your hand in the air. I'll have everybody else with their heads bowed and their eyes closed, and I won't call you up or anything, but I will offer you a chance to pray a simple prayer that connects you to Him forever. And so if you've never done it, I want you to do that today. But we're going to go ahead and just pray. Uh, now, ministry team, those of you that are here, why don't you head over to the wall? People over on their way over there are here to pray for you. And let me pray for you as a group, and then uh, we'll dismiss. Father, we are so thankful for who you are in our lives and that, that you have called us to be a part of your story. What an amazing story it is. Story of love and of mercy and grace and forgiveness. How amazingly you came to rescue us and restore us into life with you. We celebrate you as the center of the story. And I pray that, that God, we would, we would live out our lives describing you as part of your story. And that, that it would impact the world around us for you, that you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area, that hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church, God, that's preaching your word and ask that you would bless them. We pray, Lord, for your blessing on us. Feel the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you for including us in your story here and now. So today, if you've never made that connection with Jesus, I want to encourage you to do it. So just for a moment, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And, and if, you, if you could say, you know, Steve, I want to pray that prayer with you. I want to know that I'm connected to him forever. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you just slip your hand in the air so I can see who you are? I can say, okay, I see your hands coming up. Praise God. Good. You can put your hands back down. Let's pray as a group because families do things together. Just repeat after me this prayer. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let me pray for you. You don't have to repeat it to me. Father, I pray for all those who raise their hands 
and prayed that prayer and asked God that they would know how much you love them and that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And God, that their lives would change forevermore. I pray for all of us, Lord, that you would refresh and renew us by your Spirit this morning and that we would just settle in again into your amazing story and how we fit into it. You are such an awesome God, and we love you so much. If you need prayer for